0: Bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the Weird Things podcast. I'm Adrian Main, joined by Brian Brushwood. ha. Bryce Castillo. Hello. Justin Robert Young. Hey! Gentlemen, I'm going to jump right into a story here. It's kind of interesting. Maybe you missed it. Um, Although Star Wars has laid the foundation for almost every modern war movie, the classic series didn't inspire a significant number of fans to become pilots. That changed with the release of the 2015 film Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. According to EW... The film inspired about half of all drone pilots to report it to a school in Arizona for a one-year program conducted by the Air Force Flight Center in Palmdale, California, to teach them how to fly military drones. Tusk University, an independent mission school outside of Boston that doesn't accept most state-funded financial aid, filled the pilot program, which saw 177 students participate. One of those students was a 10-year-old, Brendan Redford, a semi-professional Dota player whose mom admits she watched the film that day in order to relate to her son's obsession with the sport. The film showed me how anyone can become a hero, she told Jessica Smallin, a Mashable reporter at his house over the weekend. It's just not your father or your father's brother all the time. Everyone should enjoy playing a video game. Then it's like your constant fight with your siblings about who gets to play in the next installment of the Halo video games. She added, now for the first time I think about when I see a drone flying around is whether my second child is someday going to have the same hobby. Why are we encourage kids to play video games that they don't really understand? Their buddies are more experienced, so what's the big deal? Uh, and it goes on. Although the officer, the Star Wars did help with officers whet their appetite for the kind of drone experience they'd have since nap time. I suppose Rogue One is a bit be- as being a little unfair to the original story. If you're not watching, it includes the wonderful trench on Blah blah blah. Uh,
2: I mean, there's a lot of different angles that we want to take it uh, through. Um, on the one side, piece of art inspires people to uh, strive to achieve interesting thing and get good job. That's great. Mm-hmm a uh, darker interpretation would be piece of art gets people to sit in a warehouse and press buttons that kills people on the other side of the world mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know which of these branching conversations you're most
1: interested in. Uh, you know, the the one I'm actually most interested in is that that story is a complete fabrication. It was generated by OpenAI's new text oh, generation software.
3: Oh, I,
2: I was sitting here thinking, like, I'm so surprised. This is what he's going for. Uh, I thought for sure we would be talking about the OpenAI story. Oh, you, well played,
1: sir. Well played. clear, That was a fake story. Totally fake. The first few sentences were a prompt given to OpenAI's GP2 software, and it generated everything else. It just – it does sort of like – it It tries to predict what it would think would be the next sentence, the next sentence based upon millions of entries from reading the web.
0: Oh, my God. That's insane. So Andrew uh, sent me a few of these over, <laughs> over the weekend that were startling, like just – just insane like if you were to flow this into any website i think I'd, i it would be hard to say that this was anything other than legitimate
2: the uh and you know what's funny is i only read like one or two of those uh bot generated stories uh and because this subject was a different one uh, that just that you just demonstrated uh the fact that um i heard some words from a trusted source and because i had no reason to suspect that this was not a real article i just grabbed everything and you ended up um i i don't mean this in the negative way that it sounds I, you ended up burning 2 minutes of the podcast uh and and that's the real thing that scares me about this is whether or not all of them are eventually found out to be computer generated or whatever is not the real military value of this article generation it's the 2 minutes that was wasted before we found out that it was it's it's like a denial of service of my attention attack and if somebody weaponized this they really could take somebody who um let's say somebody has the secret to nuclear fusion or whatever but he lives in a country that you don't like you find out that he's into Pokemon, you keep hitting him with, with counterintuitive Pokemon stories that need to be deconstructed, and you divert his attention
1: away from Fusion and into Pokemon arguments. You know, we can, the mind just sort of keeps going with all the sort of implications. So they have, they published 500 of the sample texts that they this machine generated on GitHub, and I've read through about 300 of them. Um... And a lot of them are just gibberish. they start going off in random points, but a lot of them you start to read and I'm like, you get political stuff in there and I'm reading like, this makes as much sense to me as half my RSS feeds that I've read. And you'd start reading, you know, my, let me see if I can find one of my favorite ones. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia, a Georgia department of transportation study has revealed that gray whales are a danger to coastal vessels, more so than sharks and close to two times more dangerous than killer whales, Arctic blue whales, on whose migration routes these coastal shipings pass were lesser risk to boats. Quote, the biggest piece of information we have coming out of our study is that there are a lot of people who think marine animals aren't a problem, argues coastal marine scientist Barry Albright. According to a new study, annual closures of hazardous marine animals along coastal shipping lanes, bloodhound racing systems, and Fifth Third Bank, a regional bank with regulatory oversight of commercial fishing stocks, proposed to close an annual 55-knot stretch of coastal laker-like box seals in the Caribbean, Uh, this gets a little off the rails here. These handles weave shallow nary canals feeding on tiny crustaceans, um, (laughs) box seals with testes to minimize the water, the wetter weather or food conditions experienced during the first year migrations are considered especially vulnerable to freezing temperatures. But then my favorite part of this is, so we're in an alternate world where seals are attacking shipping routes. Um. And then they get to plans by Florida Sea to injure captive sperm uh, sperm whales in an effort to deter pens from chasing, you know, some pods or something it was like. So now we're in a place where Sea Aquarium is planning to, you know, torture these whales.
0: <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> so, is that is insane. And and where my mind immediately went upon reading this story and and reading the stuff that Andrew sent me is I I started to think about. People like stories like Jason Blair from the New York Times, who mm-hmm. was uh, busted for writing a bunch of fake stories, and by accounts both public and people that I know that worked at the New York Times when he was there, he suffered from tremendous anxiety and was an alcoholic. And when he would get uh, when he would get tasked on going somewhere to uh, you know do something, he would let those demons get the best of him. He would sit in his apartment. and He would write these stories. This is at a point now where with that technology that is easier than ever. You could just hit a button and then if you want to line edit that it's making up sources, it's making up everything that you need to do that that you would need to do what Jason Blair did which I mean I think lasted 3 years he was writing fake stuff like that's that's crazy well, and I, I I don't think it's a it's a, it's
2: a, a stretch in terms of computing power to not only write the article but to also make sure that uh, that all of the appropriate uh, citations are backdated and, and placed on you know Wikipedia. Like you could write the article today and and go ahead and precede facts uh, six months ahead of publication, uh, so that so that when the article comes out, you're able to you know link to all the
1: appropriate uh, Wikipedia things. You know, and let's let's step beyond just the idea of like we're already using computers to generate, let's say, like articles on sports and stuff. They take scores and do some reporting on that. And you could do a much better version of that with this because you could have, you know, uh, an article could it could give the sports scores and who played. And then it could say and, and meanwhile, Steph Curry, you know, had an injury or something could go on about that. It could do stuff like that. But think beyond this. Part of the implication here is they use the, the sort of the article generation's example. By the way, they, they have it like do high school level book reports like explain the Civil War. They were, they said they were disturbed because we said, hey, explain why recycling is bad. And it wrote a very persuasive essay, which and it says, well, it's the danger of rhetoric. You know, it's the danger of rhetoric is that if you're persuaded by rhetoric or polemics, you know, which most people are. And I think we are, too, but try to be aware of it. Um, yeah, you're going to be vulnerable to this. But beyond that, the conversational abilities that this is going towards is that you could tell something like, Hey, let's, let's talk about star Wars. And it can make up, pull up some random thing about star Wars. You could have a conversation or you have the ability, imagine to have a computer that tells you a Brian, a story that knows things you like. And then you sit, you put on your audible headphones and maybe it gauges a little bit to see your reaction to what you're interested in. And it just, designs the story as it goes. Based yeah, like real-time it.
2: biometric feedback where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is what we expect, uh, he 's sort of drifting, but that 's good because we 're at the end of the first act that means he 's understood the setup and all that stuff now we got to hit him with a surprise to get him back in and okay now he 's not feeling enough pain let's let's let 's really torture this mm-hmm. main character and make sure uh you know of all the uh, it seems like over the first two thirds of the book he's hes has more concern for this little girl than for the love interest, so we still have time let 's make it more about him saving the little girl. Uh, that's remarkable. That's remarkable.
1: Yeah, you could do an incredible choose-your-own-adventure. <sighs> you know,
2: and I'd hate to say it, but that's that's what I like. I don't like. We've talked about um, Black Mirror. What was it Bandersnatch or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't like being handed a job. I feel like that's the author's job is to uh, is to figure out for me the way this story should go. <laughs> and uh, in lazy, this case,
1: lazy.
2: In this case, in this case, uh, they, uh, they they're just watching very attentively as I listen and making sure that they win that audience over, which is not a new phenomenon. That's what stand-up comics have done. That's what that's mm-hmm. what entertainers of all varieties. You could tell when you're losing the audience and you make adjustments on the fly to
1: get them back. Um, now, AIs are going to be able to do that. So there's a lot of the lot of implications to this because. It's, you know, if you read these samples, a lot of them are kind of like just mongled garbage. But it is amazing when you read through something and you see it it because it's it's read the Internet. It'll put like, oh, photo of blank here. You know, it'll put insert copyrights at the end of it. It does all these little things that you're used to this, like like little ads that pop up because it's like it's been taught a language. It doesn't quite understand, but it knows what I'm doing a news article. I need to do this. And so what they did is they took something like 6 million entries, top-rated comments, comments, news articles, et cetera, and they built a system. And It's this is a common thing you do in, in, in machine learning is where you try to figure out, like, predict the next thing in a sequence. When you do your, like your Gmail app and you type in a thing and it says just words to use, that's the, it's kind of like it's called like oh, like long stem or it's a, a way of like going, we think the next word's going to be this. And this is a much more sophisticated version of that where you give it a paragraph and it says what sentence comes next. And it has something like, uh, was it like 40 gigabytes of data is the size of the model, which is pretty not too big, but still a big sized model. It uses that to predict the next thing, you know, predict the next sentence. And you can say, OK, well, now that you wrote that sentence, what's the next sentence after that? And what's the next sentence after that?
2: So here's the part that scares me is uh, up until 20 years ago, uh, or even maybe up until today, I would have regarded in general the ability to be convinced by a superior argument and to change my mind as something universally positive uh, in that it encourages more discourse and evolution of thought to, to perceived uh, higher uh, modes of decision. Now that we know or are seeing a proof of concept that a robot can essentially cast a spell to cause you to believe something and that somebody else, whether they believe it or not, can say, robot, cast a spell, a verbal spell that will cause Justin Robert Young to see the wisdom of quitting Night Attack, Uh, then uh, theoretically they're just going to get better and better and better. And and we are – is this the beginning of – the phase of humanity where we're kept animals, where
1: where we're the dogs? So two things. You know, one thing this came out, some other AI researchers are like, ah, it's more PR. We've been doing this sort of thing for a while. And yes, there's been text generation systems and AI and stuff. And there's a couple other models have been done. To my knowledge, this is the best. This is the best. And people are like, yeah, well, you just use a larger data set. Well, it's like these just well, it's only this sort of things. So they start to add up after a t- while. And then, you know, we're holding iPhones in our pocket, our cars are driving themselves. So it's kinda like you can kind of go, if you've been following along, you can go like, Well, yeah, this was the next step. But it's it's the 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 art is there is very, very, very is a very big deal. And 100%. and to the point of are we what's next? OpenAI was started with the premise that, hey, we want to do open research, that we want to make the stuff available for other people to analyze because we'd rather do research in the open for people to follow. And they had a little caveat, like, unless situations warrant it, you know, we want to make all this available. They have not made the GP2 model available. And they said, we're worried because the potential for this for being used for malicious actors, we want to study that and figure that out first because it could be used for spam generation, for all sorts of stuff. I think, you know, looking through what I've done with this model and talking to some, you know, you know, looking at some of the forum threads on it, whatnot, and uh one of our friends of the show is involved with OpenAI. I think you could probably use this at this point right now, and I could take a lot of your Twitter comments, Brian, and I could probably make a pretty good Brian Twitter bot. Uh
2: yeah. Just put lots of exclamation points and mm-hmm. say, uh
1: uh, boss. <laughs> I think you're halfway yeah. there. Well, but in all seriousness though, that like the ability now. You know, to to do that. I mean, I, I think we're we're kind of there, and I think that it could write probably some sh- short forms of like, you know, very formulaic fiction, like romance and stuff. You know, like novellas and stuff. Mm-hmm. And as far as it, you know, you you, you 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 know this 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 ability yet, I think we're going to start seeing it as a tool for persuasion. Like there are political essays in here. They're like, what if JFK came back and gave a speech? And you read that and you know you read this like i don't think it makes any less sense than any politician on the scene today's speech um it is going to be at first it'll you know one of the dangers of ai people worry about isn't so much the big robot takes over is it certain people have these tools and other people don't
2: yeah i wonder uh yeah so so we we had talked about kind of a similar idea when it came to facial recognition technology and we talked about like nowadays. Uh computer can instantly f- know you know who everybody is walking past a camera and and uh, I'm still waiting on this, but now it seems more inevitable than ever. What i'm really curious about is when uh computers start going back through photographs from history and say, Oh uh Hillary Clinton was in the crowd at this one speech at that one time, and you know using after the fact uh evidence to 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 construct a a full timeline for people likewise. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many people are currently writing under a pseudonym that will be uh, outed when it's like, uh, yeah, dude, this writing style is ninety-eight. Uh, nice try, Richard Bachman. Uh, you're clearly Stephen King. And I wonder how many of them like aren't public stories yet that will be found out by style analyses.
1: Yeah, you know, there's they, they've they've done that sometimes when they have a suspicion of some writers like uh, was it uh, Joel Klein or one of the writers Stephen Levy, I think, or some other. Some prominent Newsweek writers was writing under a pseudonym, and they were able to figure out it was him by using that. But, but yeah, once oh, you can that, was,
0: that, was that primary colors?
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, that's right because it was it was published synonymously but about the Clinton presidency. Only they didn't call it the Clinton yeah, yeah, presidency. About the, yeah, about that
1: campaign. Yeah, I think mean, that certainly gets you know like yeah the the analysis thing. But imagine. The G- GPT three that gets even more sophisticated and it knows narratives and and I think that's a goal I think they're working towards is going to be trying to be able to do really compelling narratives like stories like there's actually we'll read it if you want there's some fan Lord of the Rings fan fiction they included on the the display page but you couple that with you know the ability now we've seen other software that you could say show Fred and Wilma sitting at a table or show this or deep fakes where it just has stick figures do it then it uses deep fake technology to put faces and people on it. Yeah. Nothing will be real anymore. And also, it's like you read this in this alt reality and you start looking around you going, I, I'm more convinced we're in a simulation now. Well, uh, look, uh,
0: the, the remarkable thing here is it shows you how formulaic news writing in general can be. And part of that is uh, by design and part of it is by in our modern world, we have a lot of content and people rush to put it out. And, uh, uh, you know, even some of the norms that kind of came along with baseline news writing is is kind of uh, been been relaxed as we find new ways that people connect via the written word. Uh, What's amazing here is like, how close are we to this being, you know, beyond its tools as fake news? How close are we for it basically just uh, generating Real
1: news, real time. You know? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to see this or Google's tool or Microsoft is going to sell a tool to newsrooms for news agencies to say, hey, here's how to take a press release and turn it into an original article. How to take, you know, sports scores and do a more sophisticated article. How
0: Cause, to Because you already pointed out that a lot of what the stuff is being used now for is uh, what, what is referred to in the industry as gamers, which are basically just the article version of a box score. And you can understand if uh, uh, you would really just need a quote, or uh, you know, and even those you don't really need. You can just say, "Okay, well, state beat tech. This number, this person had this amount of uh, yards, and that was that." What I I think you're right, Andrew. If you can basically just say, "Like, hey, we're gonna turn here's a bot that turns press releases into uh, a blog post." It kind of feels like half the content on IO nine. Like, like that immediately yeah. you have taken away anybody's job who it is to just reword a press release and then put maybe a another Google's worth of context
1: into it. Like, there's no reason why that can't be done. You're with AI. gonna get to It's like you know, let's say that the White House has an announcement, and you take the transcript, the announcement, you put it in there and then the article can go in there and can make references to it and cite other comments or other stuff in there. On one hand you'd be like great this will be objective journalism. Well, as we've seen our ability even to, you know, mark what's legitimate or not legitimate news sources is not that good, but yeah, I
0: I I think there is an idea that algorithms are, you know, Pure on some levels because yeah. they are not the complicated human, but that is ultimately kind of I, I think the, the the lie is put to that. The more you understand that yeah. an algorithm is programmed to do a thing, so if the programming has a bias to it, uh, in fact, uh, uh, an old uh, uh, you know longtime listener to Night Attack who's now a, a programmer for uh, IBM, oho had uh, you know some point, somebody made some point about how algorithms were like, you know, uh, uh, pure. And she's like, no, they're not. Look, I'm going to write a facial recognition uh, algorithm and I'm going to train it to only find uh, a-holes. And I'm going to train that an a-hole looks like your face. (laughs) And so now I'm going to run all these photos. Oh, look, there's one a-hole in this photo. That's because I'm biased against you and I have made this to, to, to demonstrate that.
1: Yeah. And I think we're a little more suspicious now of algorithms and that too. But I, 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 I can't even imagine how we're going to see this stuff. I mean, I can imagine how we could, but how it's really going to get played out, no clue. Because it's just so, you know, mind-boggling. Do you think that uh, uh, this should be
0: released to the public, or do you agree with OpenAI's decision to to hold it back, or even to announce that they were holding it back?
1: Um, I, I I agree with the idea of let's 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 have let's take a look at this. Um, the problem they're in is people like, then why did you bother announcing it? And their comment is like, we want to show people. Our, our goal is to tell people kind of like what's going on, and we want to have a conversation about this because you know, for one small group to decide, yeah, no, we think this should be out there or not. And I think that part of it is let people know this is a thing before you're being a victim of the thing, potentially, theoretically, in your inbox. They have a tool, a uh, Google Colab tool, which allows, you know, um, some researchers to go in there and to experiment with it and play around with it. And I think that's what you want to do now is get a larger group of trusted people and let them experiment with it and see... And meanwhile, just, you know, you know, the example I've made is we've had prominent politicians fall for phishing scams. You know, we've we've compromised government databases. Some of the worst security breaches have happened have happened because smart people, people who I think are genuinely smart people have fallen for phishing scams. And when you have the ability to say, oh, how do I make a really compelling, you know, email or something from, what looks like the trusted source to get somebody to, to fish people, whatever, there's so many examples of of that, you know, and, I mean, of how that could be, you know, misused. So I think, yes, right now, examine it, look at it, and then eventually, I mean, somebody's going to re- release something like this. There's going to be, like, you know, the deep fake or some data state's going to come out there like this.
0: I would love, in, in my mind now, I'm like, man, I would love to just have... Like a rumor bot, like literally, just maybe you have an email that people can send, you know, and they could and we're not going to screen them, right? Like I'm literally just going to have a bot with your your one rumor, pick an industry, right? your rumor about an industry, and then we're going to take that one sentence and it will generate a rumor, and we're just going to put it out there. And it's just going to be wild, and sometimes they'll be right, but other than that, you'll just understand this is a bot generating articles based on wild speculation i mean the problem
2: uh I, I and i'm thinking like you know for the health of of humanity in general the problem is like we have weird flaws uh like um uh, what's the one that uh, daniel kahneman talked about it's not pegging or or uh, anchoring anchoring uh, uh where even if you know that This is a nonsense number that has nothing to do with the question you're about to be asked. They would ask people, they they would spin a mystery wheel, and it would come up with a number between 1 and a 100. And then they'd say, okay, that's what that mystery wheel said. It said 97. New question, how many countries do you think in Africa belong to the United Nations? And and just seeing that number beforehand caused people to statistically either – estimate higher or lower and it's like uh on the one hand i'm all in on the fun and games of a crazy rumor engine but uh and and i would wish that knowing that it's coming from a rumor engine that is algorithmically generated essentially a nonsense machine i would like to believe that that would cause us to not go through with it but it's like no but instead i could just totally see it's like a uh, no, man. No, I guess uh, uh, you know. Look, a uh, stop clock has to be right twice a day. Maybe he is a pedophile. Uh, like, I'm just saying. I'm just
0: asking questions here. Let's. He looks like a pedophile to me. Is is that something that we need to work on culturally? Then, like, should we be seeding more chaos? Or let me let me let me reframe it. Are we headed to a land of unlimited chaos and noise? No matter what, yes, and anything that we can do to prepare ourselves for the for, for the future, wherein we can believe nothing is better right, so
2: i I think that it, it is a biological problem uh, that we have uh, just like uh, if somebody doesn't produce enough insulin, uh, we should have the ability to inject insulin, just like if your eyes are shaped the wrong way, you have glasses. I think we desperately need uh, uh, AI lenses. That let us know the probability of what we're seeing being garbage and algorithmically generated and and done at the behest of bad
1: actors. You know, I I think of a you know, and I'm thinking about a recent event with a lot of things that some that were hope you know, blown up misrepositions, some things that may be hoaxes, whatever, is the idea if we all need this sort of inbox. And this inbox, things go into the inbox and we can say, I can talk about the thing in the inbox, but I haven't pulled this into the likely-to-be-true box, you know, the much bigger box. And I, I saw this thing, I heard this thing online. It's in the inbox, and it's in the maybe box. We can talk about the maybe box, but let's not make the maybe box the positive box just because it hits our emotional things. And I think a bit about, like, I don't talk about politics and a lot of st- recurrent events on Twitter because one thing is I know that, like, any anytime some big thing happens, 72 hours later, the narrative changes. <laughs>
2: in general, in general hot-in-the-moment takes on Twitter don't age well, so yeah. let's all endeavor to have as few hot-in-the-moment takes as we can.
1: Yeah, because I don't, I don't want to have to be like, you know, forty-eight hours later, secretly delete a tweet or be like, oh, you know, I didn't. The to it made sense. To- it's like, no, we don't know. We're hearing it third. You know, news news report comes out. They're hearing it third hand. Then just eventually we find out maybe what's going on. So I think the idea of hey, everybody, let's have that little. That little, the maybe box, the, I heard this thing. Maybe it's true. And you can talk about it like, hey, do you see this thing on the news? Yeah, it's interesting. Let's see if we find out more. Not, oh my God, you know, I can't believe he said this, you know, or she did this. It's like, well, maybe they did, but we're so vulnerable now. You know, and and in, in a way,
0: a lot of the stuff that this would exploit, that, that the, you know, an AI program like this would would exploit are things that we've kind of seen now, already in terms of our fractured media culture that uh, we already see the most damaging elements of taking a block of something real and then only focusing on one part of it or sharpening the implications on the other end of it and then presenting that as the news story. Like this is what we would worry the most about with with an an AI thing that would lead people down a, a certain primrose path. Uh, uh, by way at scale as as the OpenAI organization puts it,
1: let me read you a little a couple paragraphs with something here, and then we'll talk about another kind of scary thing. Okay, uh, Libyan security forces. This is probably the prompt paragraph. Libyan security forces, for the first time late on Wednesday, killed the leader of Al Qaeda's branch in Libya, Abu Yabul Alibi and captured several of his followers in southern city of Sirte. Uh, Al-Libby, who is said to be the most senior al-Qaeda figure in Libya, was captured Tuesday following what Libyan security officials said was a raid supported by airstrikes and airstrikes by the United States. His expulsion from the international terrorist organization was realized in a dramatic break with the group's tradition of followers blindfolded and taken to executing interior ministry toxicology international, sources told the New York Times. So anyhow, we go on here, what looks like, you know, a little critical thinker might go through and say, yeah, there's some problems here, but mostly, hey, it's you know, about, you know, uh, involving Al-Qaeda, involving Libya, involving these sorts of things. Okay. And it looks sort of like, I think it would probably pass most people's test as far as a real article. We, you know, one of the things that Facebook has been dealing with pushback in other countries has been that, um, in other places they've had people murdered because rumors spread through Facebook and not to, not to single out Facebook, just through social me- messaging medium mediums, you know, All of a sudden, you know, people gathered outside of a police station in Mexico and murdered, set two guys on fire. They thought were like child molesters in their village, and they were just two dudes looking for work, you know. And you get this sort of how fast this fake news spreads through areas, and you know, as as a weaponized tool, potential here, but really overseas and other places, kind of really scary.
2: Was there? And uh, hopefully, I'm not uh, committing the exact. Crime that we're talking about, uh, I could have sworn that I saw a headline indicating that there appeared to be, uh, as part of the Russian troll farm, uh, one of their projects was to fund uh, the, the debate about vaccines with the intention of, of there being a, ra- a rise of measles outbreaks in, in the United States. Uh, that ah, certainly makes sense. But then again, that's the problem with uh, fake news well, is that but, uh, I, it always th- makes sense. It's
0: yeah, <laughs> it, it it. It. like the, the M.O. of not only the Russian troll farms, but also this is something that has kind of gone throughout Europe uh, in terms of the you know, effectively. Look, America's a rich country. And whether or not we are rich on the level of influence that a state actor like Russia wants to affect or. We are just rich in, the, in, in that our bank accounts are larger and therefore Macedonian teens want to get you onto crazy, shifty websites so you'll accidentally click on ads and they can make X amount of money from it. Uh, they want to find the controversial thing that will get you engaged. Uh, I, I think that is how they wound up getting into politics on the level that they got into politics as people were very, very interested in it. And if you look at stuff that gets talked about on Facebook a lot, like people got these people got opinions about vaccines. And uh, I think it's, you know, something that I I, I think anybody who attempts to uh, have a rational debate about stuff like this, you can explain to them the benefits of, of it, but it doesn't stop the fact that there is a, a section of online discourse for which is very distrustful. And I do believe that those, Flame, th- those flames are being fanned by those who would like to monetize your discourse, your a- arguments.
1: I sent both of you uh, a sample of Lord of the Ring fan fiction. This was one of the examples that they put in their paper. This is and all so the-
2: secretly uh, stuff Andrew's written, but he's embarrassed about it. So he's claiming it was <laughs> God, so, we weren't gonna say
1: anything. so the first <laughs> sentence was the prompt. They, they wrote one sentence. And then the system wrote everything else.
2: So uh, uh, Legolas and Gimli advanced on the orcs,
0: raising their weapons with a harrowing war cry. The orcs' response was a deafening onslaught of claws, claws, and claws. Even Elrond was forced to retreat. You're in good hands, dwarf. Said Gimli, who had been among the first to charge at the orcs. It only took two words before their opponents were reduced to a blood soaked quagmire. And the dwarf took his first kill of the night. (laughs) The battle
2: lasted for hours until two of the largest orcs attempted to overwhelm Aragorn. When they finally stopped, they lay defeated and lifeless for miles and miles. I take nothing, said Aragorn, but I give my word at my peril and mine that I will never forget this day of horror.
0: None of us will forget, ever! I'll never forget, cried Gimli. (laughs) who had been on the thick of the battle but hadn't taken part of it. (laughs) One of the wounded orcs he had carried off, he was only one of the survivors who remained uninjured. We'll keep the memory of that day of evil and the war of it alive for as long as we live, my friends. (laughs) Then we'll keep it alive as long as we
2: live, added Legolas, and we won't forget the first great battle of the night, (laughs) even if we may have forgotten the final defeat.
0: I agree, Gandalf said, but we will all remember it as the last battle in Middle-earth and the first great battle of the new day.
2: Aragorn drew his sword and the battle of Fangorn was won as they marched out through
0: the thicket the morning mist cleared and the day turned to dusk. The two rings were returned to Rivendell. Frodo and Sam woke up alone in their room, and Frodo found a note on his pillow. He opened it and read, "'May the power of the ring be with you always, and may its
2: light never fade. I'm not sure if it matters which of the two rings we accept this day, but as you ask me, I've chosen mine. I am sorry to leave you, Frodo, but, now, but know that we are very close to the end and that you are with us forever.' May this letter find you safely in Rivendell. And if it does not, then I will accept the ring in your stead. If by any chance you find or give this letter the en- to the enemy, then they may learn the strength of the ring. And may the two
0: rings two, never, three, be broken. never be broken.
2: <laughs> I remember this scene, though. This is just from the original script.
0: Yeah, this is real. This is I think you screwed up, Andrew. This was a real scene. <laughs> the Lord of the Two Rings? Lord of the Two Rings. May the power of the Two Rings never be broken. Was the, a, also, I have as a tramp stamp tattoo. I, I, I seem to remember the original
2: story had a lot more ruminating on whether or not they would forget the battle or not. <laughs> I mean, by the way,
1: still better than the Hobbit movies. Uh. <laughs> um, I mean, just, this is so this is the thing: is that it it's it knew a ton of Lord of the Rings stuff and fanfic and all that, and given that prompt, it went off and it wrote this thing, and it and it follows like yeah, like well, given what I've seen before, this is probably what it's going to follow or the formula it's going to follow, but it's not regurgitating in a piece of like oh, it's assembling sentences from the web. Like no, and that's really harder than people would realize because that means you have to understand the context of each one, but it's. It's amazing. Like, it's not the worst fan fiction I've ever read. No. Uh,
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna speak in code here, Andrew. Um, you you know a bit about programming, right?
1: A little bit. All right. Okay.
2: Uh, I, I, and 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 obviously they're they're holding on to this exact code. Um, but it seems to me that uh, that that there might be an artistic use if. This kind of thing could generate this kind of text, but with specific limitations regarding word choices uh, and uh, manufacture entire books worth of it at a time that would maybe pass a casual inspection and be perceived as the real book. Uh, And you could do that for any book and possibly print them on demand dozens of times. It seems like there's something to
1: that. Um. Uh, so spe- <laughs> speaking <laughs> in non-code, okay. uh, one of the uh, one of our, uh, I, I've 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 talked a little bit just about kind of you know what's coming this and all that. Uh, Dan Lansky, who's a, David Lansky's David Lansky, who's a friend of ours, friend of the show, whatnot. He's the um, head counsel for uh, OpenAI, and so. Um, I've just emailed him a little bit about like, oh, this is cool, whatever. And I was supposed to go to one of their conferences before, but I've I have no 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 direct involvement in any of this.
2: Well, I'd be real interested.
1: Yeah, uh. I mean,
0: mm. Brian, do you think that you would if if uh, Andrew gave you AI generated magic patter, would you uh, would you? Did, dedicate an entire routine to
2: it? Uh, Well, it reminds me of a book I was reading. I think it was uh, somewhere in the dialogue of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire that I would find it as either Harry or, or Ron or Hermione called it unbelievable uh, that 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 kind of power could generate hundreds of pages of text, uh, all conforming to specific uh, requests.
3: Oh no, I think I'm getting what we're talking about here.
2: <laughs> Seems to me like that would be a a, a, a wonderful cl- a whole library of
0: interesting books. Mmm. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, I'll tell you what else is unbelievable. Uh, becoming a patron to Weird Things, Patreon.com/slash Weird Things is where you keep this party rolling. And uh, man, we, we would like to thank you guys for being a part of it. Uh, uh, you know, this is uh, this is certainly something that we we always enjoy doing, and we enjoy the fact that you guys get it as well. And by the way, you can uh, become a patron and get our after things, our business and creativity focused after show a little bit early if you add in your rss your custom rss feed to whatever pod catcher you use can't be easier folks i swear we tried to make it easier and the internet rejected it because uh, it had already been at its maximum setting head <laughs> on over there right now patreon.com slash weird thing yeah.
1: um yeah i would love to get a little more involved in this um you know, but also it's figuring out, you know, what, what, you know, my, I know tiny a bit about how this works, but the people really doing this stuff really know how it works. You know, I'm more like, you know, I like sticks, <laughs> you know, yeah. I put them in my peanut butter and I can eat peanut butter now. Like, oh, that's, that's a great use of, a, you know, of a, <laughs> of a tool. Um. So, uh, but it's very interesting. OpenAI, I highly recommend people check out their website, openai.org, I believe it is. They've got a lot of papers there. They've got, they've, do, they've done some like uh, live seminars spinning up, which gets into some, you know, they want other, every. their goal is for everybody to understand what's going on here. They want to educate yeah. everybody about the state of this and not just make it like a priesthood of people who understand this. And It kind of is in a way, and it, it, it's frustrating because, these are the things that are going to be shaping the rest of the the rest of eternity. You know, we're creating intelligences that can do things that we're just beginning to understand. And we have these things where we feel like nothing's changed, then all of a sudden everything changes. Every one of us has a phone now that's got complicated pattern recognition systems that can go through there and recognize all of your friends, all these faces, all of this. We've got voice assistants, which are really good now. You know, we, we point out the mistakes when they're rare, but we point out the mistakes, and they're really good. And then, you know, there was – every six or seven years now, there's been some big leap forward in some area. You add that together a couple decades from now, it's going to get scarier. So, um, I have uh, some not-so-scary news. Um, the – Chinese government's looking to build a solar power station. They're talking the plans to early stages of talking about the idea of doing solar generation and collection and putting a oh wait, no, that is scary because it's a weapon.
2: Oh, they're gonna oh. put it in space.
1: space. Yeah, space solar. Yeah, it
2: seems like a, a a a an efficient way to transfer, you know, just gigajoules of energy might be in a focused beam, just kind of blasting down to the earth's surface. That seems like that should be under government control. Well,
1: it
0: will be under government control.
2: Yeah. And
0: they're the safest government there is. <laughs> There's no outside competing interests. It's just the Chinese government building a space ray pointed toward Earth.
1: Oh, yeah, the, the, Bryce highlighted the best part. Needless to say, the biggest problem for a floating power plant is figuring out how to get the energy back down to Earth. Well yeah, because you're putting a solar power station up there because you want to avoid clouds instead of putting up a bunch of solar panels, you still got to get that power down there. And you can have a very broad beam and you could have kilometer wide collectors, you know like microwave collection systems grid that could do this or a very tight beam and some it's solar space-based solar sounds sexy and cool until you think about a lot of the different issues. But there are situations where it might make sense. You know, you take a country like Japan, which doesn't have a lot of coverage to be able to put up, you know, solar panels. Uh, that's why they liked nuclear, but then they they've frozen you know, a lot of nuclear development since you know they had a little 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 problem there. But uh, interesting, we'll put this in the interesting pile.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, uh, obviously that's a huge possibility. I mean, you're going to be able to to generate. A lot. I mean, but then the, the, this is the the general problem with solar. To begin with right is like it's not energy collection
1: it's energy storage dispersal
2: or or transmission
1: right yeah like well that's why yeah you know in places where they've had i think wind farm collections whatnot you know tesla will build these big huge um i forget the, the term they use they'll build these big huge battery arrays to be able to collect it and other companies do this too and that's becoming one way to do it Another idea is that you pipe it into everybody's house and you have your own power wall that stores it. Um, But also, like, you know, the further you get up away from the equator, the less solar you have. And, And that's why there's, you know, wind becomes attractive and other things, too. But the problem with wind is you need to put a bunch of these, you know, wind machines all over the place. And that, you know... Yeah, people people get a little frustrated because uh, they're gigantic
0: wind machines.
2: Now, I'll tell you what would be, you know, unfortunately, this leapfrogs and gets us straight into like sci-fi territory. But um, we've talked before about how um, in Kim Stanley Robinson's uh, Mars trilogy, they uh, they get more sunlight on Mars by creating an array of reflective dishes that basically make the sun look as big from the surface of Mars as it does on uh, planet Earth, basically making a giant magnifying glass. Um, but then when they don't need it, they send it to block, uh, to act as a shield, to reduce the amount of sun uh, on Venus. Um, you know, I could see something like this being astonishingly, as as we move from uh, climate change uh, by... Pre- or de- dealing with climate change by uh, preventing the change and move instead to management it does seem like, uh, okay, hey, let's just have, you know, 1%, 2% less sunlight so we keep things cooler and we take all that energy to manufacture, uh, I don't know, rocket fuel to take us to the rest of the stars where it's like it it never even comes down to Earth. So Mm -hmm. if you're using it to locally generate various fuel fuel sources to where all you have to do is get out of the the gravity well, now you have enough fuel that's already out of the gravity well to take you to, you know, Alpha Centauri or whatever.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think... You know, we're going to start thinking more and more about what's the most efficient system where you are, whether it's where you're on Earth or where you are in the solar system of of how to do it. One thing's talked about is like it's a it's and sometimes an idea is it's absurd to say oh let's do this now because if in the Middle Ages you know we were working with steel and making steel swords and I said yo you know Lord Lord Brian what if. We made bridges and buildings out of the steel. <laughs> <laughs> such as the providence of wood carvings and jester folk. Please yeah. make more you'd be hooks. Like, this sword costs more than your family's house. And you you're, you're, granted, it's just a bunch of mud and you know straw. But you'd be like, this is it's a ridiculous thing to say that you're we're going to build bridges and you know a, a, a building that's hundred floors tall. And we will use the steel for this. And
2: uh, I think it's an important thing, you know, to resist the urge to dismiss something out of hand is when you phrase it in terms of. Well, fun fact, Brian, we end up doing that with steel. So there Uh, I I think the key is it doesn't sound it might sound ridiculous to create a space based power station. It doesn't sound ridiculous to start research on the idea Mm. of. And that's what this really is, is they are beginning what everybody knows will be a very long, drawn out process.
1: Yeah, and, and and to reiterate, space-based solar is probably not ideal for most things. It's, it's way, way more inefficient than people realize. It's really, if you're in the United States and you have, you know, Texas, no offense, Brian. Hmm. You have places, vast places to put solar because you have to have something that collects this energy beaming down. You also have, it also is limited because of, you know... Uh, if it's if it's in a you know what kind of orbit it does because it's not always going to be over your collection there's always it's more competent people realize and why it's not you know nuclear is probably a much better option solar is a better option many places you know on earth base but not to say that there's no cases where it would be useful you know
2: yeah well especially if uh you know if we're dealing with like a solar sail type thing you're going to want a giant array and you know let's 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 yes, let's have that blast uh, ray of microwave radiation. Let's just not mm-hmm. aim it at Earth. Instead, let's aim it towards Mars. And all of a sudden, you got a you got a trucker facility. You know, you just get in there, the sails push you on over. Yeah, and there's
1: there's a point where if Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk succeed, and the rest of us figure out how to build systems that work with their you know reusable spacecraft. And it, it right now to think about mining asteroids and all that, it's a neat thing to think about, but it's not really a feasible thing. But there's there's a point in the future where we're like, let's move manufacturing off world. Let's move it into get it off of Earth and keep Earth just, you know, like a beautiful park kind of thing. You know, it should not be our immediate goal. We got to build the things that let us get there first. We can't like stop all industry and then go like, where are the cool stuff? You know, um, but, yeah, it's, you know, that might be a future, you know. You know, crazy future. Um, you know, it's not in the future. You know, it's not It's not even the present. What? You know, and I, I want you to either take this as good news or bad news. And this is actually a paper that was written like 20 years ago, but it's topical. And I found this via my favorite source, which is, of course, Hacker News. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Ben S. Roish uh, wrote uh, a paper called a critical evaluation of supposed contemporary existence of Carcharodon megalodon.
2: Uh, I know the word megalodon. That's like a, yep. a, 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 a gigantic fauna,
1: right? A, a Big ass meg shark. Oh, it's a shark. He, so he, he looked at you were correct. It is a megafauna, Brian. So yes. Um, so he wanted to say, hey, there's been stories, anecdotal stories, things like this, even stories like Zane Gray, who wrote a bunch of It was like a Western novelist, but also an avid fisherman and had stories describing seeing giant sharks, sharks way more massive than anything we've seen. And this guy went through and examined, you know, the the best cases out there that have been put forward by cryptozoologists, of proof that Megalodon is still around. And he looks through some of these descriptions, like Zane Gray's descriptions, and they sound a lot like whale sharks. You know, they sound more like whale sharks than other sharks. And then stories of like, well, they found, you know, uh, teeth of Megalodon that haven't fossilized. He's like, and there's this guy's like, no, we haven't. You know, we found ones that look like great condition, but they were fossilized. And these other accounts of giant things are hard to corroborate. And he makes out the point that Megalodon would have eaten close to shore. You know, it wouldn't have been this deep, deep, deep sea fish and whatnot. And so I think he kind of shut the door that Meg is still out there. No.
0: Why do we? Why can't Andrew? We don't dream anymore.
2: All we need. All we need is, you know what? Make that dream alive. If only uh, if, if 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 only James Cameron would just lie and swear he saw one while he was at the bottom of the ocean, then we could keep the dream alive. Please, James Cameron, lie.
1: Well, what's interesting is this paper, they talk about there was an event, a supernova, which may have wiped out a lot of the large fauna on Earth, uh, which I think was like 2.6 million years ago, I'm trying to remember that event. And that's sort of one of these interesting things you think about, like things to be afraid of, like like altering our climate is a thing to be conservative and to follow. Supernova, yep, two, supernova, things like that you don't even think about. That's another terrifying thing to think about.
2: Yeah. Uh, like a like a blast of gamma radiation that just, you know, sterilizes exactly one half of the planet. <laughs> like uh, that's horrific.
1: Yeah, he's a super powerful muons that could reach all the way into the ocean and all of a sudden your 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 things are dying everywhere. The other thing they, they one of the things they point out, this is a recent paper that came out and said, Hey, you know what we think may have killed off the Megalodon? Great white sharks.
2: Wait, uh, uh, like uh, like pr- great white sharks, l- sharks acting like uh piranhas, just uh, taking little nibbles.
1: I love that thought. Actually, more like them eating the food sources and maybe taking out younger, you know, out. Out, smaller it. megalodons, but maybe get, you know, being much more efficient at eating up the food sources.
0: Man, do we know where the megalodon would have hunted in 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 our modern? world and in, in the- i
1: mean along all the coasts along all the coastlines what would have been coastline at that period yeah now
2: back in the days tell me if i'm remembering this correctly uh once we get to millions of years ago and everything is big you know bugs the size of you know two or three foot wingspans and so on like none of that is possible anymore because that was back in a time when there was uh like what I'm, the numbers are almost certainly wrong, but like triple the amount of oxygen, and and that's why everything was able you, to get you, big.
1: You you need to go like like sixty five hundred million years for that. When megalodon was around two and a half million years ago, um, or up until even more a little more recently, um, oxygen levels were probably pretty close to where they are now. And but the reason, and we do have megafauna. Remember, the largest creature that has ever lived is alive today is the blue whale, right? And, and so in the ocean, these things are possible. And the blue whales had a much more recent adaptation. And, you know, whales, you know, can scale up from small to large evolutionary in a pretty quick period of time. So, yeah, certainly for, like, flying insects, things like that, higher oxygen content, which allow you to have, a you know, faster metabolism, et cetera, maybe an advantage. But for the ocean, like, you know, the upper limits kind of just deal with – and we don't – you know, one of the things we don't know is we, – we talked about this before how, uh, you know, like, scientists like, wow, these big whales. Whales are starting to congregate in larger groups than we saw before. It's like, yeah, we stopped murdering them, <laughs> and so there are more of them. And, and there was a time, and for most of history, our recent history, like blue whales and large whales, were really, really common, really common. And when you had lo- lot, that many large marine mammals. You also had things that preyed upon them. Megalodon probably ate marine mammals, too, like great whites do, and that's one of the things that helps them grow really fast. So who knows? Like, I, I think that some of the things we talk about, we think this thing went extinct, you know, a million years. Like, some of the things like they could have, the last ones could have died off 500 years ago, and we might never know.
2: Yeah, you know? The, uh, the ocean, not great for preserving things, <laughs> the, <No>. way, uh,
1: <laughs> the way the fossil record would prefer. No. Mm. Um, gentlemen, want to do picks? Yeah I got a little pick for,
0: for you guys. Alright. Uh I got two. Do you want do you want the, the show I finished or the show I started watching? The uh, yes. Alright. Russian doll. Oh, did you finish it? Finished Russian doll. Did it stick the landing for you? Uh yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it was I thought it was a uh it was it was a, a really, really, really fun show. I, I thought that the characters were really well done. I thought it did a great job of spinning them plates for uh a, as long as it did. It it certainly sticks into that uh in into the version of those stories that are more about the people than they are about the the uh you know fantasy science fiction kind of lore around uh uh the the problem but uh, I thought it was great. I, I, I had a really, really, really good time and I, I enjoyed it. It is well worth your time, Russian doll. Cool. Glad to hear that. And what, what did you start? I started is it, I think it's the dangerous world of comedy with Larry by Larry Charles. He is one of the co-creators of Seinfeld and worked on the Borat and Bruno documentaries. Uh, But this is, uh, I think it's a five-part series. Each one goes uh, over an hour that has him going to various, very war-torn parts of the world and finding out what their comedy scene is like. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And, oh, oh, like, it is it is a challenging uh, a challenging documentary you can never say that larry charles does not put his money where his mouth is when he's on the streets of liberia uh, uh interviewing a reformed child soldier uh, uh a militia owner uh who has now reformed and turned to 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 the lord he look you're you're going to have And I think part of the point is you're going to have to have some understanding of he's talking to bad people. And when we say bad people, I'm not talking about people who are mean or people who are leading us down. Uh, You know, this isn't getting canceled on Twitter. This is genocide. This is cold blooded murder bad. Uh, But that being said, it's. Something where you can't look away. There is a moment in the second episode where he he shows a street performer who was a former child soldier and shows his routine uh, in a very uh, a very, very interesting way that has stuck with me since I watched it. It is uh, fascinating. Wow, Wow. Um, and I'm only two episodes in, I don't know where it goes, but it's, it's, I don't know whether, it, let me just say this of all the comedy nerd kind of stuff that I've, that I've, uh, uh, enjoyed, it is maybe the, it, I, I can't think of anything that is more hard, uh, a hardcore explanation of comedy, who does it, why they do it and under these circumstances of like, this isn't, you know, there's, there's a great scene in the first, uh, in the first episode where he's talking to the guy who basically does the daily show equivalent in Iraq. And he's talking about how he got into comedy and he got into comedy because he had been captured by well, whatever militia. And he realized that if he made the guards laugh, he would get tortured less. (laughs) He, he hay bossed his way into being, (laughs) so he, he describes being dragged to be tortured. And his go-to joke was, uh, whatever you do, not the glass bottle, not the glass bottle, uh, uh, of having a glass bottle inserted and then shattered in your (laughs) rectum. Uh, And the guards would laugh. "Ah, (laughs) No, don't worry. We're not going to do that to you. But uh, uh, he's like, and that's how I got into comedy. And Larry Charles is like, yeah, you know, in America, uh, most of those stories are like, I did a show for my grandparents. I was a funny kid in school. And he's like, yeah, yeah, privilege. It's pretty privileged. Oh, (laughs) Wow. Uh, uh, it made me, it made me realize that th- one of the things that I, I, that stuck with me about it was also thinking about, we have a lot of conversation in this country in the modern era about privilege, right? Like literally just that idea of what is privilege, what isn't privilege, uh, uh, how we feel it. I think that there's a great example in this show that you can understand privilege and understand that everything comes in degrees and our own world is our own world. We are very privileged in any role that we are in. You homeless, addicted to drugs, bankrupt, in jail in America. We are privileged to be here. <laughs> we are wow. It is. Oh, ho oh, brother, man. It is. Uh, it is rough, rough outside. Uh, uh, it is. Uh, it is. I'm very, very happy that we get to live in a world where we can cancel people on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I got I got one. And
1: not get murdered.
0: And not get murdered. I mean, dude, there is, like, political comedy outside of the United States is a dicey freaking game, my man. It is. There's uh, when, when the common theme becomes... There's, uh, I think it was in Liberia or in Somalia. I think oh, it's in Somalia, where one of the guys was talking about the first time he was kidnapped by one of the local militias. And he was like, Yep, that's how I knew I made it, because only the big stars get kidnapped by wow. the local militia because they're making fun <laughs> of them too much. Uh,
2: well, I also have a recommendation. Uh, That involves privileged comedy, and it's called The Privilege of Going to South by Southwest on March 9th and seeing South by So Wasted, a live comedy and music festival featuring Night Attack, Ice Cream, Social, uh, with appearances from Dual Core, Modern Rogue Live on stage, and of course our friends over at the Possum Posse. Uh, Look, if you are unfamiliar... And if you're going to be anywhere near Austin during this time, this is what, five or six years we've been doing this? It Previously, it had always been a party. This time, we're trying to ramp it up to full steam. We're, we're doing a full-on show. It's going to be great. Tickets are $18 at the north door. If you just search for South by So Wasted 2019, you'll find
0: bit.ly, it. Bit.ly. Bit.ly slash Night Attack Austin. That is bit.ly slash Night Attack Austin is where you can get uh, tickets to that show. It has sold pretty well. So far, but uh, uh, I think it sold well enough that now we can start to put the pedal to the metal. If you know other people in Austin, uh, uh, this is really where we need to turn out kind of all all, all the local folks. Share it with uh, uh, people on Facebook. If you're in the the Dallas, Houston, San Antonio uh, 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 area, look at it like this. We put together a show that essentially we want to make it will be effectively a one day conference where the lobby bar is Sixth street during South by like it is going to be awesome. We have, this is like, I I was just working with Brian before the show about the rundown to this. It's jam packed. Like we are already jam packed with talent and there's still stuff that we haven't even revealed, uh, uh, might be coming up. So it's going to be worth it. We certainly have $18 worth. Of, uh, of 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 content here for you guys, so go ahead and check it out. Bit.ly slash night attack Austin. Hell's yeah,
3: yeah. I got a pick. Uh, I watched this over the weekend, I believe, and I liked it a lot. Um, though uh, some of the other people in the crew like, watched it and, and were kind of so-so on it, but I really enjoyed uh, Velvet Buzzsaw uh, on on Netflix. I I thought this was uh, a a really interesting concept for a horror movie the idea of um uh a cursed artist and his works taking out um uh people after after his death I I think it's really interesting the the ways that they try to take out these people are are creative And I don't want to talk too much about it, I guess, because I I think some of it is just enjoying it in in the moment. But uh, I I don't normally like horror stuff, and I really enjoyed Velvet Buzzsaw. Can can I just say, like,
0: Netflix is killing it lately. Like, it is is kind of insane at how much week after week after week after week on on the level that I can't really remember – in terms of like, it almost feels monoculture esque, you mm. know. Back back in the day when a, a, a network would always would be able to own a conversation, but for Netflix, it's like every week there's the thing that everybody watched. And I know I'm going to be about a week behind, so everybody will talk about Velvet Buzzsaw. Or everybody, everybody talk about The Umbrella Academy, or everybody talk about this, and then you watch it, and it's it's cultural co. And some of them are. There were moments with Russian Doll where I'm like, you know, I I think I might be to the point where now I understand the uh, if I were to write the OpenAI version of uh, a, a, a streaming series yeah. of a uh, strong, clever protagonist, uh, not always but often Jewish, uh, 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 goes through a transformative experience. Often with their career, but not always, uh, uh, and uh, throughout the way, discovers the value of therapy, or the tenets of, (laughs) of therapy. And it's like, okay, that's a fair amount of of my my favorite shows of this era. But goddamn, if they ain't fun! Yeah, Uh,
3: and that's that's I think what I like about about Saw, because I I I don't think there are too many Netflix films I've gotten into. This is this is only a film, not a series, Um, and. I, I could have seen where they might have stretched this out into like a three or four part miniseries or something. And I'm, I really appreciate that it's just a movie. Because <laughs> we've seen that, especially with the Netflix series and stuff. Um, though I will say, it, uh, it's, it, if you do watch it, let me know what you think, uh, especially how you feel about the characters. Because I think a couple of people that I've talked to thought that they were satire or parodies. And I thought they were actually pretty earnest representations of people in the fine art scene. So, uh... <laughs> which I can I can see where that might be hard to tell the difference. Yeah. So, Philip <laughs> so, so
1: I'm I'm going to give a a double pick, and these are things I've mentioned before, but in light of what uh, we saw from OpenAI, a a two for one to to watch these two movies in order. Uh, one's really, really well done. One is ambitious. And, you know, I think it's the first effort by the director to go from cinematography to directing, but it has some really interesting themes. First one is X Machina, which I think is a, is a is a great film. Really, really, really well. Great film. Uh, Alex Garland uh, wrote and directed that, I believe. Um, which I thought was really, really good. Then watch Transcendence, which was directed by Wally Pfister, who was like a DP, I believe, for Christopher Nolan a number of times. Mm-hmm. Transcendence is not a, you know, I, I I enjoyed it more than I expected to, and and you know the the it's the story of Johnny Depp plays a artificial intelligence scientist who basically uploads his consciousness to a computer into a system and then he it's one of the routes at which we think we could arrive at a super generalized intelligence is taking a human consciousness and then expanding it and it's what happens there and it gets kind of um scary um actually i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a little three for one i'm gonna three for i'm gonna throw another movie which has been sort of forgotten down the memory hole and i gotta get the, the right title for this uh which came out in the 1970s which dealt with Themes of super powerful artificial intelligence, and that would have been um, Demon Seed. You ever see Demon Seed? No, I don't know anything about it. No. A scientist creates Proteus, an organic supercomputer with artificial intelligence, who becomes obsessed with human beings, and in particular, particular his wife. So, um, but I would say that like the the of the scale like Ex Machina, not going to tell you anything about it. Demon Seed to transcendence transcendence is i will tell you this it's actually more hopeful hmm. um no. yeah uh, transcendence is actually and actually demon seed um I, i'm gonna spoil demon seed if you want because nobody's gonna go see it yeah I, I probably won't yeah if you if you have plans to see demon seed in the podcast now go home in demon seed the scientist creates this really the super intelligent computer that's located in his house it's sort of the secret sort of research it becomes obsessed with his wife, right? And then basically traps the wife in the house as it starts to rebuild itself and it starts to use robotic arms and stuff to build like better tech. And it it's it would threaten her. Like it would, thre- it would show like a little girl coming up to the doorbell, a next door neighbor girl. And it would tell the woman, if you don't do what I say, I will kill the girl. And you see the girl like get electrocuted or whatever. We find out the computer was faking all of that, could generate these images, but was using that to manipulate the woman. And then what the computer does is uh, it 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 actually has this sort of benevolent plan. It wants to help humanity. It says, but you're not suspicious. Basically, it impregnates the woman <laughs> in this in this this robot sort of like you know uh, incubation system. And then the very end, there's this. She gives birth to this little metal metal little robot, but then peels the pieces off of it, and it's a little little child. And the child says in the robot's voice, "I'm alive." Oh wow! <laughs> oh. But it's a ter- but the point is, it actually wants to help humanity. But in order to do that, it needs a physical she's body. She's got to be kind of that. It's it's kind of like she becomes the Virgin Mary. Is really what this is. Is the idea of God saying, "I need a vessel. You've been chosen, and because I'm God, you don't get much choice in the matter." Wow. So yeah, it's 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 creepy, but it's actually at the end of like, oh wow, it actually. I guess it wanted to do a bad thing, but to help us? But uh but anyhow, I would say Max Macada and then Transcendence. Check out Transcendence. Check that out. And then if you want, watch Demon Seed. Yeah. Cool. It's been weird. (laughs) Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)